Lovet Singer, um, General Secretary of the Swedish Evangelical Alliance. Your topic for this month's conversation in the Lausanne Europe Impact Group is how can we overcome the gods of Europe? As we know, Europe has become probably the most secular continent in the world. So I didn't know there were any gods left in Europe. Uh, who or what are these gods? Uh, yeah, well, that is a good question. Um, I think we, most of us have a, a picture of, of Europe as uh, quite a secularized uh, continent. And certainly where I live in Sweden, uh, we are, I think, the second most secularized country in the world. Uh, but still, looking at uh, what the Bible says about these things, it talks a lot about idols. And, and in different cultures and different times, those idols may have a slightly different character um, and look differently, especially if you go way back, you would have temples where people worshipped different idols. Uh, we certainly don't do that uh, in Sweden. Um, or rather, you could maybe say that our uh, uh, stores have become the temples of, of today. We go shopping and, and definitely money and consumerism is one of those major idols, I think, uh, in the world today, and not least here in Europe. Uh, and, and also more generally speaking, I would say from a biblical point of view, there is no uh, middle ground, no neutral ground when it comes to these issues. So if you worship God, that is normally a, an active statement to do so, but, but also if you do not worship God, you worship other things and there will be trends or ideologies or powers that uh, well they seek our time our commitment and and in a sense also our worship um, so i would say there are quite uh, a lot of um, different powers and trends and ideologies that, that fight for our hearts and and to me those are really also gods in this continent uh could you say that uh, there is a, a difference or are they the same, namely the, the ideologies, the ideologies that you talk about uh, and something like uh, shopping? Uh, is there a difference there uh, or, or are they all the same in terms of uh, demanding our commitment? Well, the classic sort of triad when it comes to, to um temptations uh, would be money, sex, and power. Uh, and to me, those three also represent uh, spiritual strongholds in our lives and in our societies. Uh, and you could say on a more personal level, uh, money, sex, and power would con correspond to consumerism, for instance, filling your life with the material stuff and, and consumption. Uh, you could have around sexuality also a broader term like pleasure or hedonism that involves more than just the sexual aspect of life, but really has to do with your self-centeredness and, and seeking pleasure. Uh, and, and also self-centeredness is really an issue about power. When we think about power, we may normally uh, relate that to leadership or, or such uh, areas. And of course, that could be one one example of, of, of power or, or a temptation to power, but the, but the more foundational temptation to all of us is self-centeredness and, and seeking sort of our own um, 
in, in different areas. Uh, and then also you can, can, can uh, put this on an even higher level if you have consumerism on a more personal level. Materialism would be uh, the god of maybe the continent, Europe. Uh, looking at, at, uh, at how, how we live our lives, materialism, materialism is certainly very strong. Uh, when you look at sexuality, of course, that is an issue with the whole continent, but also you could say the entertainment industry, the very strong impact from, from that uh, sort of culture and, and industry uh, on our whole continent. Um, on a personal level, you would have self-centeredness. For Europe, that would be maybe Eurocentrism. And that is also something that we try to challenge uh, at the Lausanne Europe uh, gathering and conversation around how we can um, well relate to the diaspora churches and, and the fact that also when it comes to missions uh, we have had quite a eurocentric view of missions but but we really need to learn from our brothers and sisters uh, in other continents and also in our own continent but from other parts of the world uh, of course hand in with that would go uh, some aspects of nationalism uh, not saying that all nationalism is wrong, but certainly one area that could become a god uh, and an idol in, in our time. But uh, you are saying in, in uh, the, the headline in, in your uh, article is how can we overcome the gods? And uh, what you have just outlined now is, is powerful indeed. What is your answer? Can these uh, gods be overcome or defeated? Uh, yes, uh, of course, I, I do have something to say about that too. Uh, but I think the first sort of realization is that these are really powers fighting for our hearts. And maybe that is quite a sobering insight. Uh, sometimes we relate to these phenomena only as uh, ethical issues or, or sort of phenomena in our, in our world. Uh, but if we start looking at them also as gods competing for our worship, I think that uh, sort of um, uh, helps us to, to get a new strategy around this. And I think uh, when it comes to, to these areas, uh, I think intentionality is key, that we really have a, a strategy and intentionality around how we relate to these gods so that they do not get our hearts. Um, Maybe one way to put it is that these things, I mean, money, sex, and power in itself is nothing wrong, of course. Uh, so they are good as um, servants, you could say, but they are lousy as uh, masters. Uh, and that is also, I think, a, a way to, to put this. Uh, we can make use of, of these phenomena. And of course, also, I need to go shopping, for instance. Uh, but that does not necessarily... Uh, uh, mean that I should be a shopaholic, <laughs> uh, which would be consumerism uh, full, fully blown. So, so just have this uh, realization that these do fight for our hearts and create spiritual practices around them that help me uh, keep them only as servants, not as my masters. Uh, and to me, uh, money would be a, a very good example of that. Uh, I think uh, living in also materialistic and, and in, in definitely in the case of Sweden, a very rich country, uh, we need to have uh, spiritual practices that uh, help us 
relate to money and wealth in a way that does not become an idol. Uh, so you, you would say that even such a, 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 an issue as uh, uh, well, giving, <laughs> uh, stewardship, of course that is a part of the Christian teaching on, on uh, discipleship and sanctification, but, but in this way of viewing things, it would also be a way of how do I protect my heart? Maybe I actually need uh, a thought through uh, intentional way of relating to, to giving and stewardship simply to, to keep my heart pure and, and keep my heart close to God. It's sort of a, a, another and a deeper dimension to, to this. Uh, Is, uh, you, in your article, you, uh, you mentioned something you call resilient exiles. Uh, explain what that means. I took that uh, term from, from a book uh, from the Barna Institute, uh, which is uh, called Faith for Exiles by David Kinneman and Mark Matlock. And I think it's a very, very interesting report and, and book from, from Barna Institute. Uh, and it has the subtitle, Five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon. And, and Digital Babylon is their sort of wording for, for the Western culture of today. Um, and, and uh, I think it's a very interesting report and, and they outlined five, um, what should I say, uh, five areas that, 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 uh, that you can find in those resilient exiles, that is, uh, in this case, young people, but it could be of all ages, uh, people who sort of understand their culture, but also understand how they should relate to it in a way that does not uh, take their hearts. Um, what what are those five? Yeah, well, the first is is simply to have an, an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, and of course that uh, that doesn't sound uh, very new, and and it doesn't have to be a, a new <laughs> thing. But but uh, in this specific context, it has to do with uh, uh, living in a culture where identity issues are really strong. Uh, to to really find your identity in Christ, uh, not uh, reducing your faith in Christ to just sort of a hobby or a cool brand, as, as they express it, which may be a temptation also in this culture of consumerism, uh, but to simply have Christ not as something you consume, but who's actually consume you, uh, that you have your identity in. And, and those who, who find their identity in Christ are also so much uh, uh, more protected from what they call the Babylon virus, simply the, the spirit of, of the age. Um, then they have, as I said, five points. And, and the second is to build uh, muscle, muscles around cultural discernment. Um, and that simply has to do with uh, training your yourself uh, into asking the right questions uh, in, in view of the complexity of our world. Um, once again, this is quite an eternal issue, but maybe also in a time when we are bombarded with information, uh, not least from our smartphones. And many people also look to their smartphones for, for guidance, or rather they would go to Google or YouTube or, or so forth. Uh, I think they put it really well. They, they say that instead of just looking at your 
a smartphone, you go to the scriptures for discernment and for guidance. Uh, and, and those who do so also would be resilient exiles. Um, and then they have uh, the third point, I think also is very interesting. Uh, they say that these uh, people forge meaningful and intergenerational uh, relationships. So uh, we live in an age with a lot of individualism and, and also loneliness, and you can even say mistrust between generations. Um, but they still see from their uh, research that, that especially young people who have relationships with different generations in the Christian community, they are uh, much better equipped to, to be uh, disciples in this time and also to remain as Christians and in, in a Christian community. Uh, and the last two points from, from Barna Institute are about um, uh, discipleship and, and calling. Uh, they talk about vocational uh, discipleship, that is uh, realizing that you can be uh, uh, a professing Christian in, in all areas of life, uh, that there is no strong divide between sacred and secular, but, but rather that wherever you are, you are the church. It's not only on, on Sunday, but, but wherever you are. And also uh, an intentionality about that, that you actually want to be a witness to Christ uh, in all areas. And that is also the, the fifth uh, point in Bari Institute that, that also have a, a missional uh, focus uh, to see that uh, you, you are an ambassador for, for God's kingdom uh, in every area of life um, and also uh, a willingness to, because of that, challenge cultural norms uh, since you are a representative of another kingdom, no matter what arena you are, you have something to bring with you, you have a message and you have also an intentionality about challenging the culture around you. So basically, of course, you could, could explain that as simply not just go with the flow. Uh, but, but I think these points um, make, make really good sort of substance to, to what that means. And, and as I said, they, they also have data uh, that they build on seeing that simply young people with these five points in their lives are much more likely to, to remain uh, well faithful to Christ in, in this time. Do you, uh, as a mission and church leader, see a lot of young people that fit this description? <clears throat> uh, well, uh, to be honest, it's not the majority uh, of young people, uh, but, uh, but it's, um, I think, um, of those who actually remain and, and thrive <laughs> in this time and this cultural Babylon, I think definitely uh, we, we see um, uh, this kind of young generation evolving. Um, and I think many who are uh, influential leaders uh, in the church definitely belong to this category. Um, so I think in a way, uh, these are hard times for, for the gospel in Europe, uh, simply because uh, we cannot go with the flow and remain faithful to Christ. There was a time when that was at least partly possible. Um, but I think uh, because of that, uh, because the need of intentionality and the need of, of really uh, have a strategy for how to, to be and thrive as a Christian, 
those who, who make that commitment, they can also go very far with the Lord and become both influential and, and important uh, in their uh, churches and, and where, wherever they are. Uh, so I think uh, these resilient exiles are in many ways uh, the hope for the church because they will uh, pave the way, uh, the way for many others. Uh, so although they are not that many, uh, they have a strong influence and of course they have a strong God and that is the most important part here. Would you say that uh, the 800 delegates to the gathering, uh, hopefully happening in Poland in October, and indeed also those people that are taking, play, taking part in the conversation uh, are they this kind of, of people? <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I would presume that, that many are in the sense that, that uh, the desire to be part of this uh, gathering and, and conversation is, is also a, uh, kind of a signal of, of wanting to take your discipleship seriously. Uh, but still, I, I, I would not take it for granted. I think that we all really need to, to, to use these points and, and, and this experience to sort of examine our, ourselves, both personally, can I see this in my life, these values and these priorities? And, and of course, the second step would be, do I inspire the people around me in this direction? And that I think is a very uh, important and, and sobering questions, question for all of us to, to ask.